0: Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. (laughs) You talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1 a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere.
1: Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, brought to you today by Deal Dash and Bet Online. My name is Ty Windish. I am here, as always, with the incredible, fantastic Rohan Kadi, here directly following the Bucks' third and final scrimmage game the worst one yet by far but we will talk a little bit about this game then a lot about our scrimmage takeaways in general rohan how's it going i'm just flattered by that intro my goodness
2: i just i feel all warm and fuzzy right now
1: i just feel like when you're the person who starts it off if you have to introduce people you got to do it babe. let's get the listeners excited it's not just me people don't just tune out because you just hear my voice again we got rohan here too it's like it's a big moment.
2: You know, what? I'm I'm happy that it can be a big moment for me to be here. Uh, me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> as we did just wrap up uh, the scrimmages. The Milwaukee Bucks did uh, their final of the three. They unfortunately did lose this game. So my uh, LeVar meme of undefeated in the bubble is dead for now. For now. We'll see what happens later. But unfortunately, they did fall to the Pelicans 124 to 103. And what was... We'll get into it, not obviously during this episode, but it seemed to be like sort of an eh game. It felt like these just feel like preseason games, to be honest. Like they essentially
1: well, are. They, they super are, but it's weird because the first two they felt like re- the team, the Bucks felt really into it. And I'm glad you said it was an eh game. Because even early, like the Bucks start off on an 11-0 run. They're just beating the crap out of the Pelicans. But in fairness, New Orleans was generating some pretty decent three-point looks and just not really knocking them down but even early like in some of those misses when they were up 11-0 like the closeouts on on really like quality three-point shooters like nicolo Melli who that's pretty much all he does is shoot threes and he honestly just kind of like eh, like yeah i'll close out i guess like guys are not running out to contest shooters that well at one point west matthews gets caught in between two shooters and kind of just like curls away he from crossed the ball
2: himself up yeah <laughs> he, he really did
1: ankles. He really did, but I, I don't know. It's just to me the my whole vibe from this game. And let's put respect on Giannis's name up front because we forget to do so do so so often. Thirty points in twenty three minutes is just like one of those all time. Like how did he get thirty points? Like he is at twenty through twenty minutes, and he comes in for a final few minute run and picks up ten quick points. But uh, it just felt like the Bucks were kind of. I I think part of it was I think they're kind of over these scrimmage games. I think this was like play calling wise and, and what they actually ran. I think this was by far their worst of the three games. There was a lot of lazy offense being run and just lazy defense being executed. And I think losing the ball handlers that the Bucks are down right now really started to finally take a toll. Obviously still no Eric Bledsoe and Dante Divincenzo. although we do have news on those. I will Pat Rohan, what Rohan. I said Dante, didn't I? Yeah. Excuse me. Pat Connaughton and Eric Bledsoe, who are now with the Bucks in the bubble, but not playing yet, which makes sense because why rush anybody back? Um, and also we were out Frank Mason and Marvin Williams in this game. Um, do you want to do more game takeaway stuff or dive into the injuries and inactives first?
2: Oh, We can dive into the injuries and inactives first. Uh so like get, you get said, it out of the way. Yeah, like you said, we had Marvin Williams and Frank Mason out. Frank Mason missing his second consecutive scrimmage. Uh, which is a little concerning, uh, considering that even Thanasis, who missed the last scrimmage, was able to get back in and play um, in the last few minutes of this game against the Pelicans. Um, But Marvin Williams uh, being out with a groin injury, I think is what it was listed as. Yeah. Uh, Which, is it a groin injury? Is it like a rest sort of thing? Who knows? Um, Because I think, like, what was it, Um, Sunday, when the Trailblazers played? Uh, Chris Haynes uh, of Yahoo Sports tweeted that uh, Damian Lillard would get a rest game. And then (laughs) the trailblazer said he had like an injury, uh, Uh, which is why he was out. So I don't know how much I trust these injury designations. Um, But then again, I'm not really one to speculate here because I don't know all the information. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Otherwise, I feel like we would know a little more if it was a little more serious.
1: Yeah, I, I felt the same way you did. You know, I was kind of reading over the injury stuff and seeing that Bledsoe and Conditon were out made a ton of sense. Very, very glad, by the way. They're both healthy. I mean, they, they didn't play, but they're healthy. They're doing fine. They are obviously passed their uh, testing positive for COVID and rejoining the team in the bubble, which is terrific, but just, I mean, this game literally doesn't matter. The seeding games barely matter. This game absolutely doesn't. So good to see them back with the team. But so, you know, that was like, okay, yeah, fine. They're not playing. That makes sense. The Marvin Williams thing I read initially the same way as you, and I haven't changed my mind yet. Like I just think maybe it's maybe he's got something that's sore at you know, after you've played in the NBA for 10 plus years, I bet you have a lot of stuff that sore every day and this is not a game that there was any need to push him to play in. So I, I don't think this is some serious thing that came up out of nowhere. The Frank Mason thing is a real bummer. I haven't really heard anything more about it than just that he hasn't played. And I mean, I, I, I wouldn't think it's like a very serious long-term thing. He's still in the bubble and, and like being with the team and everything, but it's just a bummer that he's missing these two games in particular because you got to imagine these would be like two of the biggest opportunities for him to play real minutes with the Bucks for the rest of this whole season. I mean, maybe he'll get, if he's healthy again, he'll get some like end of seating game minutes, especially later or maybe not even later if the Bucks are ramping up to get ready for the playoffs. But like he missed, the, unfortunately for him, not by any fault of his own, really good opportunity to play some minutes, which is unfortunate for Frank Mason.
2: It really is. Um, What's interesting about this is uh, we don't get to see any sort of, quote-unquote, preseason uh, scrimmages from Bledsoe or Conaton at all. Yeah. Which is, again, like you said, it's understandable that we don't get to see this. But the first time we're probably going to see them is when it the games actually count, which is, I guess this... Kind of gets into the debate. does it really count the seeding games for Milwaukee. <laughs> you know uh, how I feel. They don't like we have until the second round of the playoffs until the Bucks really need have games that really matter. Um, I don't know. I just think it's I think it's interesting. Obviously, it's good to play it safe here in these situations because they need to ramp back up into basketball shape and actually you know play basketball with this team uh, because they haven't even been able to get on the court with them yet. I think right. They might have practiced. I think they definitely practiced, but they didn't scrimmage. They,
1: had, they did a very light practice today, I thought, right? I think so. Yeah, so I think they'd like just really just starting to work everybody back in.
2: Yeah, so we there's a chance we might not even see those two in the first game against the Celtics, which I don't know. How do you how do you think that'll play out?
1: I think they'll play. I think both of them will play by then just because there's such a layoff. They don't play Boston until Friday. So, personally, I just think They've both been with the team for at least a day or two by today, tonight as we speak on Monday. I mean, they'll have just about a full weekend by Friday. And I don't think we'll see like 35, excuse me, minutes of Eric Bledsoe. But I think we'll see, probably play, probably get the start too, just to kind of return that sense of normalcy to the team and get them used to playing, you know, in, in at least some of those lineups. I don't Again, I don't think he's going to play a ton of minutes. But honestly, I've been surprised at how many minutes the main contributors, Chris and Giannis, played in every game of the scrimmages. So maybe he will get up to like 20 minutes, Eric Bledsoe, in this game. And Pat Connaughton, I mean, who knows? He's not, not playing 30-plus minutes normally anyway, so he might be able to return to just about his normal role. It's it's hard to say.
2: Who knows? Sterling Brown might have taken his spot.
1: You know what? That's a good segue. I want to talk about like the... The younger guys, the unproven guys on the roster who did get some time to play. We already talked about Frank Mason, or I did a bit. I, I thought he looked good in his extended run at the end of the first scrimmage. Unfortunately, he didn't play again. I guess we can end these, like, did, did, did the scrimmage minutes change your mind, or, or at least, like, a sort of further give you more information or more of a feel about any of these young guys. Let's start with Frank Mason. We had the least to go off of. How did that first game resonate with you?
2: It actually resonated really well. He showed that he has uh, capable NBA skills as a capable role player, which he has in the past, and obviously he owned those skills uh, winning G League MVP this season. So he really proved to me that he belongs on an NBA floor. Uh, And again, like you said earlier, it's just such a bummer that he didn't get to play after those scrimmages, but who knows, he could play during the seeding games if they're not serious, like you mentioned earlier, but I just, he, he proved to me that he's just, he, he belongs.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I think fortunately with the way um, two-way contracts work, um, spending enough time with the NBA team will qualify a two-way guy for restricted free agency. And Frank, I, in my opinion, and in, not in my opinion, it's not like a judgment call, but I, I think he certainly spent enough time with the Bucks even before the bubble. And now that he's there every single day, I would think he easily hits that mark. And they might even, the league might look at kind of accepting others in that role just because obviously the season got shut down. So I, the Bucks will be in a very advantageous place to keep Frank Mason if they would like to do so as the, the third point guard if they actually want to use a, a 15-man roster spot on him again it would have been great to see him play more hopefully he does get a little bit more run in the seeding games not in the actual playoff games i wouldn't think but yeah i wouldn't say that he like i didn't watch this and go he needs to play you know rotation minutes this run but i did i agree with you it was really nice to see him look good out there with the bucks after some not so great run earlier in the normal regular season
2: yeah for sure um I guess after Frank Mason, probably. Do you want to, you know, let's save him. Uh, DJ Wilson,
1: probably? Yeah, so you I was going to say, let's save Sterling for last. I don't know, man. Like, he do, might I not think do, be good. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I really do, I feel like he's come a long way mindset wise. Um, and I think, you know, he was a much better professional in the G League this year than he was two years ago or in years past. Um, he really tries out there with the bucks. I mean, he's really working and working his ass off on defense and he's, he's fine defensively. I don't think it's not like prime Andre, Andre Robertson or anything like he's a fine defender. He's, he's puts himself in pretty good positions. I just, it's one of those, it's, I I think there could be something interesting there. I don't think the bucks will ever see what it is because they just don't have the minutes. And at this point, I just don't think... It doesn't seem like he... Either the team or he wants to spend a ton of time in the G League. Just a game here or there to stay sharp. But the question really is, like, stay sharp for what? And I just... I don't think it's a lot of time with the Bucks. I think... I Honestly, I mean, he got assigned, like, a week before the trade deadline. And I really thought there was something to that when it happened this season. Uh, obviously, nothing did. Uh, but DJ Wilson does have another year left on the contract. I... I don't even know if we'll see him around next season. It just feels like the fit isn't there. He's never really had sustained positive run with the Bucks on the NBA floor.
2: He had that like one month and a half. What was that last season from like December to January?
1: Yeah, like it's kind of scattered month and a half, yeah, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
2: His shooting kind of trailed off at the end there. Yeah. But just we saw the defensive tools he had and We all, like Bucks fans, we got just tantalized by like, oh, this this guy might be something, you know? (laughs) And now, just like this is the problems with having a team that's as talented as Milwaukee. Uh, You don't get a lot of opportunities to play your young guys, and that kind of halts their development, especially when it's um, a player who, you know, like you mentioned, he was more professional about it this year, uh, doesn't really seem keen on being in the G League.
1: No, um, certainly not before.
2: Yeah, so once if you're if you're in that position, you don't really have any room to grow. So we just we saw those tools, but we never saw them get utilized, and it seems like I mean, he's still young. So there's like you don't want to give up on a young player, especially when you know he has some talent. Um but it just nothing is being put together and there's not going to be a big role for him on this team. And just like he had thir- he played 13 minutes. I get it. It's a scrimmage. It's the third scrimmage after like four and a half months off of basketball. But he had like thirteen minutes in this game against who's like the best big on the Pelicans, Jackson Hayes.
1: Uh, Favors is good, but I don't know if he really. I don't know if they overlap that much.
2: Uh, yeah. When I was watching, they didn't really overlap a lot. I think Uh, it
1: was mostly him and Hayes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, couldn't really do anything.
1: No. You know? Especially, like, defense. Hayes was just getting alley oops whenever he wanted to.
2: Yeah. So he was just, he was no match for Obviously, Jackson Hayes can, like, jump out of the gym. So, you know, you don't really want to hold him to the standard of that. But just, like, you couldn't do anything against Jackson Hayes. Yeah. Like, anything at all. I mean, yeah, it was just, just like, it was disappointing.
1: It's like, he's not quite perimeter savvy enough to be, like, a stretch four or five. He's not quite good enough at handling the ball and and shooting off the dribble or even catch and shoot defensively he's like like I said really good effort in the right spots but not very not super athletic not super bouncy it just he's kind of like that tweener role it's it's hard to think like is he going to be a perimeter focused guy who strictly covers on the perimeter and can switch a little bit do you want to try and Use him as more of a, a, a big guy, like on other fours and even some fives. I don't know, but I just I don't think the Bucks care to spend the time and resources to find out anymore. And I think probably looking at a future Detroit Piston. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's the cycle, man. It is. It they is. They already got Justin Patton, that I'm sure they have roster spots.
2: Yeah, uh, they definitely will because uh yeah, it's it is the Detroit Pistons. Um yeah. <laughs> Future Piston DJ Wilson. Um but yeah. I just think to summarize DJ's performance in this scrimmage is just disappointing.
1: Yeah. At least on my end. Just scatter shot. And honestly, I don't even entirely blame him. It's just like you said, there's only so many minutes to go around on a team this good for a guy who has yet to consistently put it all together. It's just so hard. And, it's like and a, the one it's, guy,
2: it's a lesser Christian wood.
1: Yeah, it is a similar like if DJ had played a lot in the G League and really put it together, it would be roughly the same situation. It's yeah. like a less formed Christian Wood, yeah. Oh. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't expect DJ to ever put up the numbers Christian Wood has put up, but
2: uh, he's gonna get paid
1: yeah christian wood i thought he meant dj for a second yeah oh, no. christian wood absolutely it's good for him though
2: yeah he was on uh um uh, what was it zach lowe and chris herring were talking about their six man of the year candidates and zach lowe was thinking about putting uh christian wood third on his ballot
1: that's uh, i want to say nuts but it's also awesome
2: it's also like you know george hill obviously revised but
1: oh yeah yeah i just i don't get fired up about that award so like, weird, Like to you me. said
2: on the last episode, you want him to be considered, but you don't want him to win it. Like Wes Matthews and all these.
1: <laughs> I care more about Wes for all, uh, for all defensive teams. but yeah, Consideration,
2: I'm, not even being on the team.
1: That's all I need. Just like a couple votes. I just want him on the ballot at the end of the day. Um, NBA, let us vote. Seriously, we'll share a ballot. We'll yeah. do it on the podcast. Send it over.
2: Still got a day. I think, right? <laughs> Balloting closes tomorrow?
1: Yeah, it's I like sometime correctly. tomorrow. Send it through in the early morning. We'll get to it, mm-hmm. probably.
2: Uh, but uh, yeah, so after DJ, we have we have two directions to go here. Uh, you said you said you wanted to save Sterling for last.
1: Oh, are you gonna are you? He's still Tenasis? a young player. No. Oh, Dante. Oh yeah. Well, I I didn't think of him because he's like he's actually a rotation player. But uh, it, it's good to go Dante here because I was actually going to start talking about him anyway, just because. Like, the one young guy who's going to get some consistent minutes is Dante, and it's because he has, like, shown the most real NBA stuff already. I truly, I don't think, my prediction before the year, which feels like 500 years ago, was that Dante would, like, spend a ton of time with the G League working on his game. Which I do think is, like, what the playbook should be for these young guys who don't have NBA minutes available. Like, I really wish that had been what happened with Sterling Brown a year or two ago, or longer, maybe even. It's been so long now. Never did, unfortunately, but and we'll get to him. But Dante is just like good enough to play now, so he gets all those minutes automatically. Like you're not going to cut down Dante's minutes to see if Sterling Brown could maybe be almost as good years later as Dante who is younger is right now. Like it just it doesn't add up. So it it's it's logical. I mean, there's not there's not playing time for these other guys and Dante's just been so good and I don't know. His off the dribble stuff has been super intriguing to me. These scrimmages he's been really confident and bold and he's he's knocked some of them down. He's still like he's not like a dead eye shooter yet, but I do love that he's confidently dribbling around screens and doing these tight pull-ups. It's the kind of thing that helps open up the offense and I find it I find it titillating, honestly.
2: I'm glad you bring that up. I I saw you were tweeting about it during the during the game. Uh just the fact that dante has an off the dribble game just completely changes Milwaukee's offense Yeah, because you're just you're adding another uh, creator into the offense which like as if we've learned anything about playoff basketball is just like obviously the playoffs are what matter here so we're going to talk about it in that setting so if you add just more creators uh on the floor dur- uh, during the playoffs that's just it can't go wrong unless they're, like, irrational confidence guys, but even that can go right sometimes if they're hot. Uh, yeah,
1: we've seen it happen to the Bucks plenty of times, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, so just, like, if you get Dante in a spot where he's comfortable, you know, working off the dribble, hitting those pull-up threes, or at least taking those pull-up threes to at least have that sort of respect and gravity from the other players, which I don't think he's going to get at this point, but if he starts knocking them down, he will. And... Like he, he hasn't shot it particularly well in the scrimmages, like against Sacramento on Saturday, he went four of nine from the field, two of five from three against New Orleans tonight. Oh, of two from three and two of four from the field overall. It was like disappointing, I guess, to say again, uh, shooting wise for Dante, but at least like the shots that he was taking were very encouraging. He seemed, he seemed in control, which that's all you can ask for from a young player.
1: Yeah, and you didn't even mention it, but the defense has continued to be very, very, very good. Oh my goodness.
2: Just watching Dante play defense is just, it's so just, it fills me with so much joy. Uh, Just watching him fly (laughs) around the court trying to anticipate passes and like trying to block off passing lanes. And like I mentioned uh, last episode about how he's like pre-jumping for alley-oops before it's even thrown. (laughs) Just like, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. He should get... uh. All defense consideration. I know Zach Lowe was saying he should get six-man-of-the-year consideration, which is wild yeah, here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, all defense. You're, you're sticking up for Wes Matthews. I'm going to stick up for Dante.
1: I like it. I liked it a lot. No, um, my two Dante notes, I think the shooting will come along as he just gets more comfortable and gets the reps up. I think I think he will be able to. I don't think he's going to be, like, 44%, especially with the looks he's he apparently very comfortable with. But just get him like, 37%. And that's just another dangerous weapon for the Bucks to, to help open things up. And defensively, he's good on the ball. He's really good off the ball. He's got to work on getting screened. He died on a couple screens tonight. And I don't know, it's the third scrimmage game. Everyone looked at it. But Dante is literally like the energy guy. We've talked about this before. There's times when he will come into a game and everybody else picks up. So I, I kind of almost unfairly hold him to a higher standard so I still do acknowledge it was the third scrimmage game after four months off or whatever. But there was a couple of times when he would get screened and just kinda of like throw his hands up like it was some sort of a foul. It maybe, but not enough for it to get called in the NBA. And it's like you gotta get through those screens a little bit better, especially with all the drop coverage. But it's a nitpicky thing. I don't that might I don't be think a, he's, that
2: might be a strength thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's still a young player. I mean he's not a rookie, of course, but might as well be a rookie.
2: Yeah, especially like he barely played last year, so yeah, like you said, essentially a rookie. He just needs time, just a little yeah. bit of time. He has all of the skills there. Just uh, if Dante can become something, that's just
1: whew. well, he's got a good guy to learn to learn from from the, on the screen thing in Bledsoe and
2: shooting I just wanna, from
1: Corver. shooting from Corver, deep perimeter defense from Bledsoe,
2: playmaking from Chris and Giannis. <laughs>
1: watch out for from...
2: watch out Michael Porter Jr. The real young stud here is
1: Dante DiVincenzo. <laughs> Energy from Thanatos. He's got the he's got oh, all yeah. the infinity stones.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got Pat's leaping ability
1: <laughs> put, put a little bit more control, just a little bit. Yeah, he actually um... knows
2: when to not jump. Uh, so, all <laughs> so uh, with the Can't first, wait. the first time Pat jumps at a three-point attempt, honestly, I'm not even
1: going to get upset. I'm just no. going to be like, "I missed this."
2: Hey, it's gonna be like
1: like oh now, basketball now is back. It just feels right. <laughs> now we look, look for we're a <laughs> hundred people to send that tweet as soon as it happens.
2: Yeah, it's okay. I'm making sure to say it preemptively.
1: Yeah, they cover the bases. Because
2: then, when they're tweeted, we know they're listening and they're taking my ideas.
1: So it's good. Everyone who tweeted, they're stealing our IP. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, it's canon. It's Eurostep canon. All at you this have
2: point. to do is uh, share the episodes with your friends and family. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I guess now we can move on to your favorite,
1: Sterling Brown. Uh, I mean, if Dante's in the mix saying my favorite is saying a lot, but I, it's a good tease. We'll get to Sterling Brown in just a second. But first, have you ever heard of deal-dot-com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up 1 cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our smart, attractive listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of all of their other discounts. Go to deal-dash.com and use offer code EURO, listeners know it's G-Y-R-O, EURO, or dash.fm slash EURO. That's deal-d-e-a-l-d-a-s-h dot f-m slash euro for that free 100 bids. And while you're online, thinking about finances, we're not talking about banks. That's boring. We're talking about bet online. Sports are back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, bet online, Hopefully baseball is still here by the time you hear this episode. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with for- former pro players, if I can say that, Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. And remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus when you sign up there today. I mean it right now after you're done listening to this episode, of course. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Okay, let's talk about Sterling Brown. Yeah,
2: let's get to it. So we've seen him get a little bit... of an extended run during these scrimmages. Obviously, because we've had no Eric Bledsoe, we've had no Pat Connaughton. So, you know, sort of the guard wing rotation is a little little hampered. So we got to see Sterling play in that role. He hasn't really had that much of a, you know, strong impact this season. Little bit fallen out of the rotation, inconsistencies in his game led to that. But from what we've seen during these scrimmages, he still looks inconsistent.
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, especially this this third game was I think easily the worst for him, and it's I think there's a direct correlation with how much he was tasked with doing. I mean he closed this game as the nominal point guard, and this is really where Frank Mason was sorely missed. Sterling Brown is not a point guard, and that's the thing, like on offense you're just not seeing anything that makes you think he you want you don't really want him doing more than like catch the ball on the wing if you're open shoot if you can pump fake and drive and you have a lot a lot of space you can do that maybe make a good read off the drive but just not a plus ball handler you know energy on defense scrappy defender for sure but just like just okay on that end not, not anything that really super impresses me on like a play-to-play basis just, yeah, just another, I mean, I think, I, I like what Sterling can do now better than what DJ can do now. I think he is closer to being an NBA player. I just still, I think neither of them have been able to put it all together yet.
2: Yeah, it's just, there were too many times that we saw he was sort of, he saw, he has tunnel vision at times. Yeah. Uh, there was one possession where, I, I'm sure you remember this, Urson uh, was getting like tip in. Uh, rebounds and just going up with it, getting like five rebounds per <laughs> possession. And Sterling yes. was trying to get it too. And obviously, like, I at this point, I know that Ursan's just going to go straight for the tippet whenever he can because you know he <laughs> wants to uh, pad his stats, get those rebounds. <laughs> um, he I swear sometimes he intentionally misses. Uh, oh, yeah. uh,
1: 100,000, yes,
2: yeah. So, but the thing is, like, Sterling at least has a chance. Uh, because Kyle Korver was wide open. That I tweet, this is the,
1: the longest consecutive seconds Kyle Korver has been open on one. He was literally there for like 30 seconds.
2: And Urson eventually, you know, he was like, fine, whatever. And then he passed it out and Kyle Korver hit the wide open three. But like, I, given it's the Pelicans and they didn't do anything to try and guard <laughs> Kyle Korver, but just like sterling my guy what are you doing you're going up against like three defender two or three defenders just like what are you trying to do here yeah just like just pass the ball out
1: yeah, he he does come down with one of the rebounds, and I'm just, like, internally screaming because first Robin Lopez, like, doesn't even look off, just doesn't even acknowledge a wide-open Kyle Corver to pull a semi-contested three, and then Ursan misses a tip. I think it was either, either after the first or second Ersan missed tip. Of course, there was, like, four in a row. Sterling does actually come, like, all the way down with the ball. And I'm like, all right, perfect. Just sling it out there. is wide open. It's like a layup for him. And he tries to go all the way back up with it. Just ends up being Urson Fodder for a little while longer. But it's just like, ah. Oh. No, I, I agree. There was some more plays, too. And, like, he just had no business trying to, like, go over slash around a set defender by the rim. And it went about as well as you would expect. And it's just like... I mean, I get there's not a lot going on in, in some of his minutes. Like, he does not out there with the premier players very often, which is tough. But just after some, some pretty solid decision-making, I thought, and really just one play I keep thinking of where he kicked it back while he was driving in the, uh, in the Spurs scrimmage, just a doing too much. And, and, again, part of it on him, part of it, like, if he's – like, being inbounded the ball as the point guard, it's kind of already a lost situation in my opinion.
2: Yeah, Sterling Brown. I know you. I think you tweeted this. Not a point guard. Yeah, no, no not a point guard. Not card. seeing that. Yes, it, it's it's okay. He can be. He can probably be a two three still, um, in this league. I've, yeah, I think he can. If he can just catch and shoot, if that's his entire role, if he can just sit in the corner the entire time, like that's great. He hits a lot of corner threes. So if you just ask him to do that, that's great. But unfortunately, when he tries to do a little more, he just he seems overtaxed.
1: I almost wonder if he should just like double. He's already like, like built. Like he's a strong guy. I almost wonder if he should double down on that and try to make the move to like a three, four, part time, five PJ Tucker thing. Oh my god, that
2: that'd just, be something.
1: I just I think that's his best shot to being like a very plus impact player in the league. I just his wing defense is fine. I mean, just be like a rangy guy on defense who learn to operate without the ball a lot on offense, like set some screens, man, like figure out something, but the ball handling, I just, I don't think it's going to get to a place where, and it's just hard. It's like, it's easy to say like, just be a three and D guy, but it's hard to have a two who you just don't really want moving with the ball very often. Yeah. It's, it's tr- kind of an offense clogger. Yeah. It
2: just, just doesn't have the skills to necessarily fit in to the bucks offense. I no, I I don't think so. So I don't know. Break glass in case of emergency. Uh, shooter yeah. slash energy guy. I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean it's not like a disaster if you put him no, in. I think like, like we like we've been saying he's
2: a he can be a capable NBA player. Stick him in the corner, he'll hit a lot of corner threes. Yeah, and he'll play solid defense. Just don't ask him to handle the ball or like be involved in the offense in sort of any meaningful facet.
1: Yeah, I would expect. You know, if Pat C looks a little rusty at first, but gets into his usual form, which is kind of inconsistent, East. yeah, huh. inconsistent in itself. But I would expect and be okay with Pat having all of the the backup, backup wing,
2: especially because we know he's a proven playoff performer. Yeah, like George Hill and Pat Connaughton beat the Celtics. So like, <laughs> just <laughs> it's oh, true. I'll never that just the memes that came out of that Bleacher Report tweet. Uh, I benefited from it a lot. Um, oh, yeah. But like, who's going
1: to stop them or whatever? Oh, yeah,
2: and then it's just George Hill and Pat Connaughton. Like, that's just <laughs> just, just so good. Just feels so good. Like I don't know how else to describe it. But, I don't know if you can. Yeah, but yeah, it's just Pat Connaughton would easily be the favorite. Like, we haven't seen him play, and he's still the favorite to take Sterling Brown's role. Obviously, if he doesn't really look like his normal self that's a problem um but i think i think pat will just he'll be he'll be just fine in that role with those minutes yeah
1: yeah i agree so that's pretty much all the young guys i think none of them shocked us i don't think any of them you know grabbed onto a hole in the rotation and and pulled themselves up into it i would expect you know after like the first couple of games hopefully everyone's up to speed knock on wood Nobody is has pulled or, or tweaked anything. Everyone's all healthy. I would expect the same old rotation we've seen. Bledsoe, Wes Matthews, Chris Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and then Dante as the first wing off the bench. Good amount of Patsy, Marvin Williams, and Robin Lopez. I think that's gonna be the the main nine for the Bucks, right? Did, did I miss anyone? Mm, I think you're I think you're good. I'm sure we'll see some Urson probably.
2: Yeah, we'll definitely see some Ursan. No,
1: Bud can't kick the habit, but I I I don't think like I don't think definitely don't think like DJ or Sterling played to such an extent where Pat or even Ursan is in real danger of losing out on, on where they are currently in the rotation.
2: No, I don't really think that's I don't really think that's gonna happen at all. Um I guess from here we can just sort of touch on some a little bit of just overall takeaways from these scrimmages.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess that was kind of the goal, and we just let's do all the young guys, which probably good. I mean, like we'll have eight scrimmages to, you know, probably not gonna do post game every not scrimmages excuse me, seating games. Probably not gonna do post post game of every seating game, but we'll have a lot to talk about the regular rotation guys. This probably was our best chance to talk about some of the end of the uh, the bench. Oh, a fun guy. We love you. <laughs> love Tanasis. Love the laugh. I, Such I, it's a great blown smile. Out. It's the smile's great. I did a poll of which laugh in the commercial the Bucks play eight times a game is better. Giannis or Tanasus.
2: Sorry, the Bucks need to change that music that they play in between. Uh, oh yeah, it's not like good. timeouts. Like, it, just have something else. Just like have like a rotation. Not just the same thing over and over again. I'm <laughs> the sorry. The same looping. Yeah. Hey, at least they got rid of the uh the replays during live ball possessions.
1: uh yeah, This game, but they learned a little. They bit. replaced it with shots of the terrible-looking virtual fans during live ball like, possessions. I, during
2: this might be a controversial take. During normal games, I hate looking at fans. Like I don't get. <laughs> I don't, just like what's I don't I don't understand. Like why I don't need to see other people. Like I want to focus on the basketball. Obviously, fans are good. You know, I'm a fan, right? Uh, but yeah, like I, I'll be a like I I enjoy going to Bucks games as a fan. Um, but just I don't know when I'm watching it on TV, I don't really care. So like even when they like cut to fan reactions after like fun plays, unless it's like a unless it's like a memeable reaction, I don't really care. <laughs> so. Just, like, I, I don't see the point of cutting to the virtual fans in this environment. I don't know. That might just be a me thing.
1: If I get it if they're, like, leaving or coming back to, like, from commercial, and they just, like, there's no nothing happening yet. I don't really care that much. Do it then. Throw a stat overlay over it, sure, whatever. Sure, But just,
2: like, my, I don't know, a pet peeve of mine is just, like, after, like, a solid, like, Giannis highlight or just any highlight, they cut to, like, fans cheering in the crowd. Like, okay, Cool. Like I don't know.
1: <laughs> you sound like a grouch. I, I, don't, know. Think, I don't know if I'm with I you sound on this like one. I'm very
2: get off my lawn right now.
1: But <laughs> it's just old man Rohan I do, I here. I don't. I don't know. It's not my thing. Back in my day. <laughs> um, no, I just the virtual fads look awful. Yeah. It's just I retracted my desire to be one of the 300. One of these games. I. They look silly. The superimposed seats behind them look silly. The I the guy who wore the XL shirt was pretty funny at least, but yeah, I don't it, it they just look goofy to me. I'm not about it.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm not about it in general. Yeah, you're clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: but yeah, takeaways in general from these scrimmages we did see in this game against the Pelicans that we the low bro Disney magic might not have been there this game. That's probably why they lost because they yeah, weren't that... close enough to the park. <laughs> Because <laughs> we had we had Brooks shooting two for seven from three, Robin shooting one of three from three. Just a, it was a rough three point uh, outing from the Lopez twins. Then again, it was a rough night overall <laughs> for three point shooting uh, from Milwaukee. No one made more yeah. than
1: two. Like well, one guy shot two of three at least.
2: Yeah, best shooter on the team was Giannis This game. <laughs> Uh, which we love to see. We always love to see Giannis shooting and hitting threes consistently because that's what normal NBA players do. It doesn't have to be a big deal every time someone hits a three. Hint, hint, wink, wink at other people.
1: Um, <laughs> that's a good point. I, I Like I said this after the first scrimmage, and I still believe it. His shot looks way better. It does. His three-point shot that it has in a long time.
2: Yeah, I think it looks more fluid. It has a higher chance of going in when it leaves his hand. Like At least it looks like that, So, which is always a good thing.
1: So This is another game where he missed oh no. Yeah, he missed more twos than threes in this game. Did he really? Eight for fifteen oh, wow, from the field, did. two for three from deep. <laughs> Not a great game. Again, everybody looked unfocused. When I first you mentioned the Low Bros, yeah, just they were a little off and like they were just trying some stuff that I was like, I I get it's a scrimmage game, but God, Brooke Lopez at one point pulled up from like forty feet, like immediately in a possession. I was just like, Jesus, Brooke, like I get that it's the third scrimmage game, but I guess he's really just like, yeah, I'm just going to shoot it. We'll see what happens. There was a, a few shots like that. There was there was some some moments where I was like, I don't think the guys are that focused. Um, but, yeah, Giannis' three-point shot I think has been encouraging. Uh, I said I wouldn't talk about it, but he was 80% from the free throw line on 15 attempts today, getting to the line a lot, which I like. And after a disastrous start, has really pulled it back on the free throw shooting, which is, I've, I've said for a while, as maybe more encouraging than definitely, the three-point shot. Definitely more encouraging
2: because he's going to yeah, be taking it's... way more free throws in a game than yes. threes. Yes. Um, you know, realistically. So if he's shooting well from the free throw line, it doesn't matter what he really shoots from three. Like he can go 0 of 5 from three in a game, but if he's going like 10 of 11, uh, 12, 12 for 16, 12 for 15 he was tonight, but even like somewhere close to that, that's what really matters because you're getting like... We were both confused that he had thirty points in this game. Yeah. Twelve of them. Of Twelve of them were from the free throw line. So you just he he always gets fouled. We know this. Whether it gets called every time or not is a different uh question. But he does get hacked a lot. He does go to the line a lot every single game and will continue to go to the line every single game, uh, many a times. So if he can get that three point stroke down I mean sorry, uh, free throw stroke down at a
1: high clip, that's what really matters. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, obviously, both are good. And we'll certainly take yes, both. Yes, obviously,
2: but... both are good. Like this game, <laughs> two or three from three, 12 or fifteen for the free, free throw line. That's great. Like obviously, yeah. both both would be ideal. You know. Oh yeah. We're just saying I like just... just the free throw. If you get the free throw, the three doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a luxury mm-hmm. at that point. Um, just another encouraging thing. It's just not a. Chris also just not able to make—he was 0 for fourth from deep today. A lot of guys just not shooting well. But uh, maybe a little bit of fatigue, too, from like kind of not the, the layoff and coming back, maybe catching up a little bit. But 8 for 8 from free throw, he remains just impeccably accurate on those and just getting to the line more and more, even in a, a slog of a game. He was drawing contact, which, which is, I like which to see a lot. Which
2: is great to see. Great to see Chris attacking the basket. I mentioned this last episode, but just opens up his game even more and opens up the rest of the team even more. We just, you just, you love to see it.
1: Yeah. I want to cover two things quickly um, as we try to avoid an hour on this pod where earlier we were like, oh, what a boring game. I wonder if I have anything to talk about. <laughs> um, as always, how are you concerned at all about George Hill's three point shooting slump?
2: I mean, a little.
1: Considering and just all around shooting today is one for seven from the field. And it seemed like for he was sort of
2: team. avoiding shots at times too. Yeah.
1: Uh, like he could have clearly taken the shot
2: at some points, but he just, he seemed kind of adverse to sort of shooting the basketball. Um, so it does concern me a little bit uh, considering that even towards the end of the season before the hiatus, he was three point shooting took like a plunge. Uh, he was. He still remains like the best uh, three point shooter in the league, percentage wise. But he's just been on a down spell recently, and it's just continuing. Who knows? We it's still a scrimmage. He is an older guy, so you know, getting back into game shape might be a little bit of a struggle for him. Uh, so we have to take that into consideration. So yeah. if if he gets back into the swing of things, three point shooting should go up. So I wouldn't be concerned yet. If the trend continues as we reach the postseason, then I would start to get more concerned. It's a little concerning right now, but it doesn't seem like that big of a problem.
1: No, I, I agree. I think it's like they get—they have 10 to 12 games still before things are really important. If we're at like the eighth and ninth game of those, and he's still just really unable to make shots, then I'll start to be concerned for right now, I'm like just let's give it a, a week or two here and, and see how we're looking. Then I, I don't think it's gonna hold. I certainly hope hope not, but we shall we shall see. I'm, I'm just gonna hold out hope. I mean, we saw the guy hit nearly fifty percent for a lot of the season. I just I don't think he's gonna regress so hard to the opposite direction for the entire bubble. At least I certainly hope not. Yeah, I, um, I don't think that'll happen either. No, I yeah. So Kyle Corver has been playing a lot and doing a lot. And I had some words for Sterling Brown, who I think was a little overtaxed. I, I haven't even thought to mention it. I guess I I, I don't think we're going to see any of this kind of stuff from Kyle Korver in games that matter. I, I don't. I certainly hope not. But, like, we've seen him moving with the ball in transition. We've seen him operating on pick and rolls, just, like, doing a lot of things that aren't spot-up shooting. And I just I don't think he should really be doing much at all that's not spot up shooting. We we see Corva Dimes. He's a good passer, but I think he's a good passer like when he gets the ball in motion, like as part of the offense. Not when he is like navigating around screens trying to break down D I just don't think that's his game and we saw way too much of that for my comfort level across these scrimmages. I don't think it's a thing that's gonna last. We've talked about how many wings the team is down, but goodness I hope that's not like a plan for real meaningful games. I
2: I hope not. Uh, at least, at least, actually, I hope a little for my own entertainment because it's always funny. Um, but oh, uh,
1: you are playing with fire.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, has he done anything so wrong? Okay, I'm kidding. Um, but we we've seen Giannis and Chris get their minutes reduced. Obviously, Bledsoe hasn't even played, so just like you know, your primary ball handlers not playing as much leads to leads to point sterling, leads to Kyle Korver doing non-spot up shooting things. So when we get in to normal rotation I would think that goes away uh, I would really hope that goes away um, I, I don't think it'll be a problem I think that'll definitely um, that'll be a problem that gets mitigated by actually you know normal rotations by normal ball handlers
1: yeah yeah I, I, I agree he he I has just been I do playing
2: a lot but 24 minutes in the last two oh scrimmages God. at like whatever and 51 or whatever Kyle Korver is Thirty. <laughs> he gets older every
1: time we get <laughs>
2: Thirty eight actually, um, but like sixty-two in basketball in NBA age. years. Um but yeah, just it's a lot of minutes for corporate.
1: Yeah, and it, it caught up, man. Six points today, I think on six total shots and four turnovers. Yeah, he's two for six from two for six from the field and two for six from deep. The same same six shots. Um, all threes this time, but yeah, four turnovers, just one assist. Ugly game. It Ugly game for everyone. I don't want to single out Kyle Corver or anybody. But again, just felt like he was being asked to do a lot more than he ever would. And I think there's just an understanding. Of, like you said, we're not going to play Giannis 40 minutes a game. We're not going to play Chris that much. No blood. So a little bit of Dante, who plays a lot with the starters, I think to get the more cohesion with, with those three guys, especially. So it just kind of had to happen that way, unfortunately, for, for poor Sterling and poor Kyle Corver. But Oh, well, Uh, is there anything else pressing from the scrimmages you want to break down? I think we've covered it, really. Yeah, between the last podcast and this one, the last one more general, this one, a lot of the young guys, which again, I feel like that works. It does.
2: I feel like we've gotten the gist of the scrimmages because, you know, we haven't seen a lot of basketball yet. And these are essentially preseason games that they don't really care about too much. So we'll see when the games start counting whether things change um, in, in terms of like depth. Uh, In terms of the rotation, in terms of like actual performance on the court, attitude, all that. Um, But no, I think we're good from the scrimmages.
1: Yeah, I would say just just generally, I think we'll see, we're still going to see, I think, pretty much every starter, every game from here on out, as the, and kind of sort of our minutes ramp up, unless obviously, like, there's a back to back, we might see some guys off on the back to back, or if somebody's just like beat up and sore, like, there's no reason to not rest somebody. But I just mean, like, I think we'll see more slow minutes ramps up ramp ups. I didn't expect to see Chris or Giannis play all three games scrimmages based on the reporting early, but they did. And they all played like at least 23 minutes ish per game. So I think we'll see all the main guys, at least most of them for every game from here on out, depending on Bledsoe and Pat coming back. But yeah, I would expect to more rotations to get more and more normal as we go.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, and as we go I guess we do have regular regular season games on Friday. Oh yeah, Celtics. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how do we feel? I I I'm not really scared of Boston. I've said this before. Uh, I don't think they're a good matchup for Milwaukee at all. Um, yeah, especially when you want to get like. Um, you know guys like Jason Tatum going he can't really get uh I saw Jackson Frank on Twitter was doing a, uh, breakdowns of Milwaukee's pick and roll defense and he was showing how uh Jason Tatum was kind of struggling a bit uh when Eric Bledsoe was you know fighting hard over 3s getting his pull up 3 game out of the out of the question and then Brooke Lopez coming up on him in the paint to make mid rangers more difficult just like he he is he dictates where this team will go like where Boston will go and he is not in for a fun time against Milwaukee. Uh, Chris Middleton uh, usually puts him in jail, um, <laughs> as he does with most players, and uh, he will abuse him on the other end. <laughs> so I don't really think Boston is that much of a problem. So yeah. I'm expecting Milwaukee to come out triumphant on a weird timing of games, like what five thirty? Uh, oh goodness, five thirty on ESPN, I think, on Friday.
1: At least it's, it's just, national. It's and
2: wild. I'll take
1: the early bedtime, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, uh, I'll take that. <laughs> but also, it's like it's a weird time. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it.
1: I think that's going to be the new normal in the bubble, though, with kind of games going throughout the day a lot of the time.
2: Yeah, I guess. We're going to have gonna some be weird. weird start times. It's going to be weird. It's going to be like all at least afternoon, though, right?
1: Yeah. 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 I, we're not starting at 9 a.m. Oh, God. I really hope not. I don't I don't think so. No, no, we definitely no. no, we're definitely not doing that. Hopefully we don't have to skip any nap times. Us or Giannis. Yes. We can't get
2: uh, the the Giannis naps are critical as we've seen by Matinee games in the past. Um yes. But yeah, what what is your prediction for this Friday?
1: Pretty much the same. I mean we've seen uh Jason Tatum starting off slow and this is something that a lot of smart NBA watchers have pointed out like He's he's good, like he's been good all year, but the recent elevation of him perceived to be like a superstar, like a lot of people think better than Chris Middleton. Yeah. He's been shooting like 48 to 50% from three for a lot of that time, and he's not doing that so far in the bubble. And I just think we might see him sort of on offense back down to that like Brandon Ingram level guy, which maybe he's a little better, maybe he's a little worse, just strictly on offense. Tatum is much, much better on defense. Everyone will point this out. But I don't think those two players are that far apart on offense. T- Honestly, Ingram might be a little better right now just on offense. And like a fine player, a good player, not good enough of a player to swing a series against Giannis and the Bucks, who have two better players. And, like, again, we've talked about this. You're just asking Marcus Smart to do so much. If he's, like, your only real strategy for stopping Giannis from getting into the rim over and over and over. And one of the other things from the bubble I guess I've noticed is Giannis has made some good passes, as he has all year, breaking down defenses on the drive. He got a little lazy with that in this last game. But, like, I just I think the Bucks will, will pick apart Boston when it really comes down to it. So, yeah, I'm not concerned. And I'll officially join you in fearing the Raptors more than the Celtics. Ooh.
2: Yeah. Okay. Late flip. Completely okay. different pod, but I'm
1: there.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, and I'm glad I could have convinced you. Uh, thank you for uh, admitting I was right this whole time. Uh, <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think I think the Raptors are definitely more of a threat. I just it's also fun to hate on Boston.
1: It's so much oh, fun. Oh yeah. So much fun. Boston deserves nothing good, man. They don't. They've had enough.
2: It's, if their baseball team is showing anything, it's that they uh, do not deserve any good right now facts. Uh, what did they lose, like fifteen to one or something, yesterday?
1: Oh, I, I haven't followed it that closely. But I only knew um, about it because it was so egregious. <laughs> because it's Boston, <laughs> everybody wants to see Boston get beat up, man. Yeah,
2: it's hey. I'm I'm not any different. Um, no, same here. So I think I think that's it from us here. Are we? Are we? Do we have anything else we wanted to hit this episode?
1: No, I think that just about covers it. I mean, we got the. Some more takeaways from the scrimmage games, even this last one, which is a bummer. We looked ahead quickly to Boston, who I I don't think either team is going to go full throttle. I don't think either team really needs to, and everyone's going to be careful with the first quote-unquote real game back, especially after some days off, I think for both teams. So I wouldn't expect like a hotly contested contest, but who knows? I mean, these are obviously rivals with some postseason history. Bucks wiping the floor with the Celtics in five games last year. The the most recent example, the only one worth talking about, in awesome. my opinion. But yeah, we'll have real basketball Friday early evening, and um, even realer, I guess. And I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, me too. It's gonna be it's gonna be good to get back into the swing of things against like an actual opponent that could be a postseason matchup potentially. Because you know we've been playing against teams in the West, not teams that we could see in the postseason for Milwaukee. So it'll it'll be nice to see. Um, But I guess uh, for this episode, that's all we have. So I'd like to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you did enjoy the show, please let others know. Uh, Tell all your friends, tell all your family to listen to this show if you did really enjoy it. Also, leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Really helps us out. Uh, Make sure you're checking out all of the content being put out across the Blue Wire Network. Stay safe out there, everyone, and we will talk to you next time.